Hello, everyone. I must confess to you that I know what it's like to be raped in churches, mosques, temples, and synagogues. In the sexual slavery world, the sexual enslavers had their non-consensual rape fantasy of committing sexual perversion and sexual deviancy in houses of worship. They would do breaking and enterings within these houses of worship by stealing the keys to the house of worship. And how did that fully happen? Anything a perpetrator says, I can't be sure of the truth. That's how I felt. And I can't be sure of what actually happened because they may have lied about how they got the keys. This didn't happen a whole lot, but I but it but it damn sure felt like it fucking did. Another thing I remember um that they said that they knew they were cool with church leadership, mosque leadership, synagogue leadership, temple leadership, because they were also members of the cloth clergymen. And some actually posed as clergymen, but they weren't clergymen, and the rest were actual clergymen. And it's hard for me to call them clergymen because there's nothing Christ-like about them at all whatsoever. Everything about them is demonic and devilish. <laughs> That's for sure, 100%. So, let me get graphic about what specifically happened Uh to me within all these houses of worship. I was forced to endure child sexual abuse um, within these houses of worship. What does child sexual abuse mean? Child sexual abuse is a form of child abuse in which an adult, in this case, we're all adults, abuses a child for sexual stimulation. That's what occurred to me within these houses of worship. Forms of child sexual abuse include asking or pressuring a child to engage in sexual activities across the outcome. That occurred to me against my will. Indecent exposure of the genitals to a child. That happened to me against my will. Displaying pornography to a child. That's what happened to me against my will. 
actual sexual contact against a child. That's what happened to me against my will. Physical contact with the child's genitals. That's what happened to me against my will. Viewing of the child's genitalia without physical contact. That's what happened to me against my will. Or using a child to produce child pornography, including live streaming sexual abuse. Those things happened to me against my will. Now... I also want to make clear that because these things didn't happen a lot and because they would be in and out before people would notice that's why word didn't get out right away what happened. Now, from what I was told by the streets, there was somebody that saw. There was a few people that saw. And they took matters into their own hands. And uh, they killed the clergyman. Um... At the next day, that's what the streets told me. They were killed that night because they were some people who um, were of the streets, but they were familiar with these houses of worship. So those people saw what happened to me. And sometimes when people see a child being abused, they don't think to call the police. They think, um, we don't even want you to go to jail. We want to kill you our goddamn selves. That's how a lot of people feel. So, um, the street people, people in the streets, they got their hammers, they got their saws, they got their, they got guns, and they got their knives. Some were able to get swords. I mean, you'd be amazed at what people in the streets can get all kinds of access to weapons because the streets are into like they over they overemphasize um this whole I gotta you know watch my back, watch my pockets, watch my jewels, watch my jewels, watch for phonies. You know, watch your homies, uh, keep your enemies close, don't be laughed at like a joke. So, I used to hear that growing up. And so, and these same street people, they also had mace, they had mace, they had tasers, they were able to uh, confiscate police batons. And they had uh, baseball bats. And from what I heard, they found all those dudes. First, they beat them severely. Stabbed them up. uh, Sliced them up into pieces. uh, 
mace tasered them to blind them and shot them and then shot them to death. And those same people the next day saw me and there wasn't a lot of talk. It was, a, they hugged me. I didn't know at the time that they, they did what they did and they were hugging me as a way of saying, you know, we got your back. It was, um, they just hugged me and just kept complimenting me. They seemed like nice people at the time. Then the streets told me, you know, those people that you was all hugged up and complimenting you and you just complimented them and you hugged them right back. And I said, yeah, what's going, you know, what's, you know, the 411, man, I need my 411. 411 means school me, educate me. Give me news, inform me, tell me what's going on, tell me what's up. And that's when the street people, that's when other people in the street said, um, the people that was doing nasty, was doing like nasty, you know, you know, some, some foul ass shit to you. I said, yeah. Um, those same people took care of them. That's why they ain't around no more. You know, they, they they perished to the other side. And I was like, wow. And me and those people never talked about it. In terms of the people that actually did it, they were like, they didn't want to talk to me about it because they felt like they were vindicating me enough, you know. You know, we already shown you love. So I remember that happening. Um, okay, before the the perpetrators were killed, um, I can honestly say, um, that I was a victim of what is called groping. Um, In this case, they they did grope me in the house of worship. The term groping is used to define the touching or fondling of another person in a sexual way without the person's consent. Groping may occur under or over clothing. Actually, both happened to me. All that happened to me in those houses of worship. And I was a victim of rape. Um, the term Outside of law, the term rape, sexual intercourse, or other forms of sexual penetration carried out against a person without that person's consent. Um, that occurred to me. Um, sexual assault. Wait a minute. All those things occurred to me in the house of worship. The other thing that happened to me, you know, that was rape. Uh, the other thing that happened to me in the house of worship was sexual assault. Typically includes rape, other forms of non-consensual sexual activity, which happened to me. Um, sexual harassment in the um, those house of worship happened to me. Sexual harassment is intimidation, bullying, or coercion of a sexual nature. It may also, which happened to me in the house of worship. It may also be defined as the unwelcome or inappropriate promise of rewards in exchange for sexual favors. And that definitely occurred to me. Um, 
mass sexual assault happened to me in the house of worship. Um, it involved large groups of men um, and women. So, um, because some of the people, some of the women there were actual clergy women and some, and most of them posed as clergy women. So they were surrounding and assaulting me, groping me, uh, manual penetration against me, of me, and fraudage, which happened to me. And there was penile rape, P-E-N-I-L-E. All those things happened to me at House of Worship. And they, um, they gave me, um, they forced oral penetration of me and they and and they for and enforced vaginal rape happened um me the women the anal rape was between me the women and the men and then there was oral penetration between me the men and the women and the oral rape happened to me the women and the men. Um, so I was a victim of sexual assault. Sexuals in the house of worship. House of worship. Sexual assault is an act in which one intentionally sexually touches another person without that person's consent or coerces or physically forces a person to engage in a sexual act against their will. That's what happened to me. It's a form of sexual violence. All that happened to me. And I was tortured sexually too. Tortured to a sexual manner. That's what happened to me. Um, and not in house of worship. This is what happened to me in house of worship. Sexual assault takes many forms, including attacks such as rape or attempted rape, as well as any unwanted sexual contact or threats. That happened to me in the house of worship. Usually a sexual assault occurs when someone touches any part of another person's body in a sexual way, even through clothes without that person's consent. That's also what happened to me so growing up I mean I I did just growing up in the organized crime world um I did witness um Drug facilitated sexual assault, DFSA. I did witness sexual assaults, uh, child sexual abuse, domestic violence, elderly sexual assault, groping, rape, sexual harassment, mass sexual assault. I witnessed those things. Um... And I was forced to endure child-on-child sexual abuse. So I was forced to sexually abuse children. And other children were forced to sexually abuse me. So it's forced. Like, we didn't want any of this to happen. It was forced upon us. So I also witnessed child-on-child sexual abuse. Um, I witnessed... Um,
human trafficking and dirt human trafficking. Um, I can honestly tell you that because of the effects, I've seen um, the effects of I've seen the emotional, psychological effects of sexual assault that happened to me and others, so... Um... The, I, I, I... I witness denial, learned helplessness, xenophobia, anger, self-blame, anxiety, shame, nightmares, fear, depression, flashbacks, guilt, rationalization, mood swings, numbness, hypersexuality, loneliness, social anxiety, difficulty trusting oneself or others difficulty concentrating and to keep it more real or should I say realer um we were first we were forced to endure sexual denial sexual learned helplessness sexual xenophobia sexual anger sexual self-blame sexual anxiety sexual shame sexual nightmare sexual fear sexual depression sexual flashbacks of the traumatic nature, sexual guilt, sexual rationalization of the traumatic nature, sexual mood swings, sexual numbness, um, the unethical kind of hypersexuality, uh, sexual loneliness, sexual social anxiety, sexually difficulty trusting oneself and others, and sexually difficulty uh, concentrating. So those things happen... Um, to us too. Uh, physical injuries and bruises and physical force did happen to some. And uh, cramps, aches, pains, sleeping pattern issues, activity limitation, poor physical health, poor mental health happened to a lot of us. Um, some of us did get... Um, HIV, hepatitis B, and syphilis, and HPV, and uh, AIDS, and um, chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomoniasis, uh, bacterial vaginosis, um, and we did endure PTSD, panic attacks. Um, in this case, we endured sexual PTSD too and sexual panic attacks as well. Uh, this is what happened to us. And economic abuse of survivors is real. And so, social isolation did happen to us. Um, And this is very serious. Um, and as survivors, some of us did develop bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorders, anxiety disorders, major depressive disorder, eating disorders, addiction, and other psychopathologies. In this case, we also suffered from um, sex-based bipolar, sex-based obsessive compulsive disorders, Sexual anxiety disorders, sexual major depressive disorders, sexual like eating disorders, you know, relating to sex, 
um, other sexual pathologies and sexually compulsive um, behaviors. Some of us did endure um, those things. And um, I, um, within my time in organized crime, this may be repeating myself, but I repeat myself, but I give you new information so you have a better understanding of what happened to me. So in organized crime, what happened to me and other people, within organized crime, I was exposed to violence against women, bride burning, dowry death, honor killing, femicide, infanticide, matricide, um, murder of pregnant women, uh, sati or sati, S-A-T-I or S-E-T-T-E-E, which is a practice, sorcide, uxorcide, uh, child sexual initiations and sexual rites of passages, um, forced prostitution, also known as involuntary prostitution or compulsory prostitution, sexual slavery and sexual exploitation, ritual servitude, um, fetish slaves, uh, human trafficking, violence against prostitutes, and violence against sex workers, even the ones that weren't prostitutes but still sex workers, rapes, uh, pregnancy from rape, uh, sexual assaults, campus sexual assaults, cyber sex trafficking, mass sexual assaults, sexual violence, all types of rapes, rape by deception, corrective rape, date rape, gang rape, genocidal rape, wartime sexual violence, marital rape or spousal rape, prison rape, statutory rape, virgin cleansing myths, window, widow cleansing, um, acid attacks, breast binding, also known as chest binding, um, breast ironing, also known as breast flattening, uh, female genital mutilation, FGM, female genital cutting, female genital mutilation slash cutting, FGM slash C, and female circumcision, uh, gishery or gishery cutting, uh, foot binding, infibulation, um, violence against women, uh, narcissistic abuse, narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, gaslighting, dating abuse, uh, or dating violence, domestic violence, uh, domestic violence and pregnancy, you know, pregnancy when coupled with domestic violence, joy do Sagnior, also known as Uis Prime Noctis, Eve Teasing, Forced Abortions, Force Feeding, Leblo, L-E-B-L-O-U-H, Forced Marriages, Forced Pregnancies, Forced Sterilizations, um, Compulsory Sterilization, coerced sterilization, uh, marriage by abduction, marriage by capture, bride kidnapping, um, rape, marriages, um, rapists being exonerated, 
because they married their victims. So marrying a rapist, marrying a victims. Uh, rap shit, rap R A P T I O. Um, violence against LGBTQI plus people. Uh, violence against men, women's shelters, men's shelters. Uh, not, I mean, rare moments of witch trials, but it was kind of informal. But most of the witches weren't bothered with, they just picked on some that they thought were annoying, but the rest weren't, so they didn't care that much. Uh, as long as you were, like, making um, criminalistic money and you had criminalistic power, they didn't, in their minds, they didn't give a fuck. Uh, So, other things I saw. Yeah, I saw survival sex. Child grooming, child prostitution, child pornography. Colonel transmission of HIV. Incest, obscenities of the bad kind. Uh, The unethical type of pimping, the unethical type of prostitution. I saw uh, procuring prostitution. Of the unethical kind, I saw public indecency, indecent exposures. I saw statutory rape, marital rape, revenge porn, um, the unethical types of fornications. Uh, I saw adultery and you know sexting and sexual abuse. I was forced to sexually abuse adults by the sexual enslavers. Notice I said forced. I uh, there was sex trafficking and slavery and the unethical type of sodomy not you know consensual like the LGBTQ plus community I saw sex trafficking and unethical voyeurism unethical exhibitionism and just violence I saw the sex offender registry but not all the sex offenders applied for it and that's why some got in trouble legally I saw bestiality. I saw I saw um I was in red light districts as a kid against my will. Uh I saw the deviant type of sexual intercourse, not the healthy kind. I saw male circumcisions. I saw male genital mutilations and modifications. I saw genital mutilations and modifications came to females, males, and non-binary persons. Um, I was exposed to an ethical type of sex industry. No, so when I say unethical, there means that there's ethical, then there's the unethical. Um, I'm just telling you, this is all organized crime, so none of this is ethical within it. Um, 
queer phobia happened a lot. That I can tell you. I saw interracial relations. You know, you had um, black criminals with white criminals. You had um, black criminals, Hispanic criminals, black criminals, Asian criminals. And then I saw white criminals, Asian criminals, white criminals, Hispanic criminals, Hispanic criminals, Asian criminals, Hispanic criminals, with white criminals. And Asians with the blacks, Asians with the whites, Asians with the Hispanics, whites with the blacks, whites with the Asians, whites with the Hispanics. Then you had Hispanics with the blacks, Hispanics with the Asians, Hispanics with the whites. They were all criminals. So there was a lot of interracial relations. Yeah, the ethical kind, not the healthy kind, uh, you know. So this is, that was the world I was forced into. Um, I did witness in that world um, violence against men, domestic violence against men, um, male force circumcisions, male force genital mutilations, male genital modifications, involuntary castrations, malicious castrations, involuntary penis removal, uh, shame strokes, groom kidnappings, colloquially known as Pakarua Shadi or Jabara Shadis, um, androcide, patricide, meridicide, fratricide, infunculicide, um, prison rapes, statutory rapes, male rapes, the rape of males, sexual violence against males, um, uh, what they call reverse sexism, uh, male prison rapes, there, there were female prison rapes, they rape females, even non-binary people were victims of sexual violence, just like the males and females were, so, um, that was definitely the world I, uh, grew up in, um, I remember that I um, was made to have the keys to the brothels, the crack houses, the trap houses, the drug houses, the dope houses, the drug dens, uh, the drug farms, the drug laboratories. Um, the the nightclubs, the bars, um, the opium dens, the crystal meth labs, the after hour spots, the weed spots, and the gambling spots, and. Um, the tobacco spots where people would get together, smoke cigarettes, cigars, and tobacco pipes. And I would have the keys to all these places. So I would come in, I would come, I would approach the door, 
uh, turn the key, open the door, and I would lock the door, put the key back in my pocket, and I would sell all hardcore drugs, and I would sell all tobacco smoking products, and I would sell all alcohol products. I would sell all adult entertainment products. I would sell condoms, contraceptives, all forms of birth control uh, to all these people. I would sell like STD, STI tests and pregnancy tests uh, to all these people. And those were other immoral and illegal sources of immoral and illegal income streams. Um, because people would just buy these things from me. And some there were times where if I wasn't there, there would still be people inside. So they knew that when I would come through the door, they're like, okay... Antonio has distinct footsteps. Because I had a lot of energy, if he heard, like, quick footsteps, oh, that's Antonio coming through the door. And people would crowd around me, and they would be happy to get their fixes and their products. And I can, and I would um, stay for a little bit, and then I would leave. Um, a little bit is quite a while. And I can tell you that I heard everything and I saw everything within these Sin City brothels, these Sin City crack houses, these Sin City drug houses, these Sin City dope houses, Sin City trap houses, Sin City drug dens, these Sin City bordellas, these Sin City... The Sin City Bordellos, the Sin City Whorehouses, the Sin City Ranches, the Sin City Nightclubs, Sin City um, Whorehouses, the Sin City club, Nightclubs, the Sin City Bars, the Sin City Weed Spots, the Sin City Tobacco Smoking, pro, tobacco smoking Product Spots, um, also known as Tobacco Spots, the Sin City Tobacco Spots, um... These Sin City opium dens, these Sin City crystal meth labs, these Sin City drug farms, these Sin City drug laboratories, and these Sin City weed spots. When I said I heard and saw everything, I mean I heard and saw everything that you can imagine, that you can conceive of, and that you can think of. I heard everything said. I heard I heard and saw everything said. I heard and saw everything thought of. I heard and saw everything done. And I heard and saw everything felt. And I let your imagination fill in the blanks on what I'm truly saying. Y'all are wise listeners. You all know what I mean. And to refresh people's memory, because not everybody may have gotten what I said, and I don't disrespect those that didn't. 
Um, I don't even disrespect those that did. Um, Sin City is a nickname that may be applied to an urban area, a city or part of that caters to various vices. These vices may be legal depending on area or illegal activities which are tolerated. Examples of vices include sex-related services, prostitution, strip clubs, sex shops, etc., gambling, casinos, betting shops, etc., drug use, alcohol, marijuana, etc., consumption, and even organized crime and gang activity. Now you fully understand what I experienced. So within these um, Sin City areas I told y'all about earlier, Earlier, I witnessed prostitution, gambling, drinking, clubbing, political corruption, organized crime, bribery, police corruption, uh, parties, cabarets, sex shows, scams, BDSM, massage parlors, go-go bars, uh, Strip clubs, sex shops, gambling, casinos, betting shops, druggies, alcohol, marijuana, uh, gang activity. Um, yeah, marijuana consumption. Uh, bank robberies, the porn industry, nightclubs, gangs, tabloids, sex publishing industries. Uh... Drug trafficking, gunplay, racketeering, uh, bookmaking. Uh, I said police corruption and political corruption. Okay. Um, Mob families being themselves, drug trade, citywide gangs, out of control crime, notorious prison systems, uh, favelas, F A V E L A S, date summer in DC, slums, um, robberies, prison system corruption, male and female non binary prostitution. Uh, illegal gambling, speakeasies, buffet flats, Sin City rip parties, bootlegging, um, Corruption and control from political machines, um, pickpocketing, uh, notorious slums, um, tattoos, um, tattered clothes, provocative clothing, revealing clothing, provocative messages on clothing, um, Profanity, um, dirty comedy, um, the nightlife, 
uh, lounges, Sin City type of jazz clubs that criminals would create, the singing bars that they would create, uh, and uh, after hour clubs that were all Sin City. So, there were a lot of marriages, a lot of divorcing, a lot of legal separations, illegal separations. Um, a lot of breakups, a lot of makeups. Twenty-four-hour liquor sales, illegally speaking. Um, and as for the nightlife, um, pubs, parties, live music, concerts, theater, cinema shows, night owls in the nightlife, and all the drinking establishments. Um, I, I name a few things I saw within the drinking established, you know, cover charge for missions for some, for people like me, I didn't, I could go in for free. So I was basically selling all the things I told you earlier and all these other places too, and all these other places I just told you too, are all Sin City as well. Um... And it's not easy for me to share these type of things because none of this is enjoyable for me to share. But I do remember um, that... um, There were Sin City alcohol-free bars, Sin City beer halls, Sin City biker bars, Sin City bloodhouses, Sin City botaquams, Sin City brew pubs, Sin City cantinas, Sin City cider houses, Sin City cigar bars, Sin City dance bars, Sin City desi pubs, Sin City dev dive bars, Sin City fern bars, Sin City gastro, you know, pubs, gastro pubs, um, Sin City gay bars. Sin City Honky Tonks, Sin City Hookah Lounges, Sin City Host and Hostess Clubs, uh, Sin City Ice Bars, Sin City Inns, INS, Sin City Irish type of pubs, Sin City British type of pubs, uh, Sin City Australian type of pubs, they'll have Sin City uh, Izakaya, Sin City Juke Joint, Sin City Lesbian Bars, Sin City Micro Pubs, Sin City Nightclubs, Sin City. Rat Skellers, Sin City Roadhouses, Sin City Sheepin, Sin City Slide Grog Shops, Sin City Speakeasies, Sin City Taverns, Sin City Tide Houses, Sin City Tiki Bars, Sin City Bartending, Sin City Western Salons. So I was made to also sell everything I was selling in all those types of places too. And that's how I was making money in these type of places. And I was forced to be to do the illegal lottery 
and all these other types of places. So what does the illegal lottery mean for uh, you first time uh, listeners? It simply means The numbers game, also known as the numbers racket, the Italian lottery, mafia lottery, the daily number, is a form of illegal gambling or legal lottery played mostly in poor and working class neighborhoods in the United States of America, wherein a better attempts to pick three digits to match those that will be randomly drawn the following day. So I was also forced to do that in all those Sin City places I was telling y'all about earlier. For many years, the quote-unquote number has been the last three digits of quote-unquote the handle. The amount racetrack bettors placed on race day at a major racetrack, published in racing journals and major newspapers in New York. That's an example, but I have done racetrack betting against my will. Um, gamblers place bets with a bookmaker, bookie, at a tavern, bar, barbershop, social club, or any other semi-private place that acts as a legal betting parlor. So I had to do those things in all the Sin City places, including some social clubs, barbershops, bars, taverns, what have you. Runners carried the money and betting slips between the betting parlors and the headquarters called the Numbers Bank. I was forced to do those things, too. I was forced to be a runner, a bookmaker, a bookie, a gambler, a race track better, an illegal gambler. Closely related is policy known as the policy rack or the policy game. The name, quote-unquote, policy is based on the similarity to cheap insurance, which is also a gamble in the future. So, yes, cheap insurance, policy racket, policy games. I was forced to do all those things. Um, I'm just keeping it simple for you all. So, um, I want to say on record that there's the ethical nightlife, the ethical sex industry. Um, There's the ethical fornication. Um, There's ethical sex, married and unmarried. There's ethical non-monogamous sex and there's ethical monogamous sex, okay? Um, So I want to state that on record, okay? Ethical sex can happen whether it's vaginal or anal or oral or any other way that y'all see fit, whether regardless of your sexual personality, erotic blueprint type, I always want to distinguish between the unethical and the ethical, right? So LGBT Coed Plus is beautiful. Um, the organized crime version was filled with hiding in order to not be victims of violence and murder. So that's how that was able to happen. And um, I remember um, I remember um, how it was For me, being in that world of being introduced to um, women, I would, you know, criminals and civilians would introduce me to women, um, and women would introduce themselves to me. Criminals, civilians, 
the male ones, the female ones, non-binary ones, introduce themselves to me. And I and I introduce myself to them. Um and the people in their lives who introduce me would introduce themselves to me and I would introduce myself to them and the people I was cool with, whether criminals or civilians. Cool with doesn't mean endorsing criminality. It means that we're cordial and nothing um, nefarious um, takes over. Um, well, some nefarious things in the current, you know, they were, you know, that they were involved with, but directly nothing nefarious happened. But indirectly, you can say yes, indirect nefariousness did happen. Um, when I was um, in that world in Baltimore, for example, they would say, um, man, this is my little brother, A.O., right? And these criminal dudes introduced me to other dudes. So I'm on the block, chilling with them, and they would say, Man, and they would we would dap each other up, do the ghetto pound hug as it's called. And they say, Yo, Ayo, how it how how you be living? How you how you be how you how you be living, how you be cooling. I said, I'm just goddamn grinding. And they would say, Oh shit, my nigga Ayo up in this up up in this motherfucker with us, man. We we fucking this bitch up together. We weren't talking about a woman. We were talking about the hood. And fucking this bitch up. I know I'm, I'm respectful of women, but he wasn't talking about women in that regard. He was talking about we're having fun in the hood. There was a colorful... It was the bad kind of colorful way of saying it in that regard. <laughs> There's ethical profanity, then there's unethical profanity. So it depends on who it comes from. So before we go outrage mode, selective outrage mode as it's called, think about the source. So adult comedy and just comedy, it can be bad from some sources, unethical. It could be good from other sources, ethical. So... Drinking establishments are ethical outside of organized crimes. And organized crimes are all unethical, right? Um, drinking is good. Um, weed is good. They're both good. But some people have made them bad because of the misuse and the contamination that they did to it. Some people have a healthy relationship with weed. Some people have an unhealthy relationship with weed. You can have a healthy relationship with alcohol, unhealthy relationship with alcohol. You got a healthy relationship with sex, unhealthy relationship with sex, okay? So people, because it's easy to condemn something. People go, wait a minute, what's ethical and unethical? And I'm answering all your questions. So that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I'm just telling you how that life, how it works, because people need to know that this is for real. So, um, I was forced to do card counting, dual column betting, fixed profits, fixed states, the uh, Kelly, uh, Martin Gale, uh, 
online roulette, pachinko, sick boo, slot machines, video poker, video bingo, bingo kinos, uh, coin tossing, games such as head and tail, two up, confidence tricks such as three card, montel, the shell game, dice, dice based games such as backgammon, liars, dice, passy dicks, hazard threes, pigs or Mexico or Peruto, carnival games such as the razzle or hanky pank, non casino card games, including historical games like Bassett and Carte. Land, Quinn's net, and putt. So I was forced to do all those things with all these criminals. I was forced to do fixed odds betting, para mutual betting, sports betting, virtual sports, arbitrage betting, spread betting, betting exchanges. You know, I was forced to do all those things. Uh, risk return choices. I was forced to make money in all these ways with all these type of criminals. Online gambling, you know. I was forced to do, you know, um, card rooms, online casinos, you know. The whole nine yards, casino games, table games. I was forced to do all these things. Betting, gaming, so, um, Rolling the dice. Because I was good at math, I was constantly winning games for me and other people. And I'm not bragging about these things. There's ethical gambling, unethical gambling. There's legal gambling, illegal gambling. There's healthy lottery, unhealthy lottery. Okay? So, I have a healthy relationship with money that I've worked hard to do. And when... People would introduce themselves to me. I would introduce myself to people, and they would introduce themselves to the people in my life. I would introduce them to myself to the people in their lives. It was typical pleasantries, typical niceness, typical um, friendliness. You know, women were the most friendly to me, the most, the nicest to me, and the most pleasant ex- pleasantry exchanging toward me. Um, that's what happened for sure. Um, I remember, um, just being in that world, and, um, I can honestly say that. I've worked really hard to be healthy in that world in terms of understanding that there are some people who, in in sex, for example, some people, this is a lighthearted part of the episode, so it's a lot easier to listen to on this one, this part, so listen up in this one. Some people, when it comes to sex, are better at writing how they feel than verbalizing how they feel. Um, Some people, when it comes to sex, apply the slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to listen approach. That is also a sexual skill when you think about it. And some people are better at listening than speaking when it comes to sex. Um, Some people 
are the opposite. Some people are better at speaking than listening when it comes to sex. Some people are better at verbalizing than writing when it comes to sex. So we have to remember all those sexual skills. And I think those are good things to talk about. Now, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Oh, okay. Um, emotions. Emotions and organized crime. Let's, we have to revisit this. In organized crime, you got to be happy when it's time to be happy. Sad when it's time to be sad. Mad when it's time to be mad. But it depended on the audience. With, with toxic masculine organized crime... You had to be serious, not exactly tough looking, because if you look like, if you look tough, then that's how you get a fight. But if you look serious, but calm, then usually you weren't bothered with. So you couldn't show fear. You couldn't show sadness, crying, depression. You couldn't show none of that. With women, I could show all my emotions. I could show fear, sadness, happiness. I could be my bubbly self. It was cool. Guys, I mean, I I was bubbly to an extent, but I had to keep the happiness um, to a bare minimum. I had to keep my bubbly personality to a bare minimum. I had to keep my um, joviality and euphoric nature all to a bare minimum. I had to keep the laughing, the smiling joke to a bare minimum. So... Um, there were times where the guys did show fear and all the other human emotions, but you had to keep it to a bare minimum. You had to keep every human emotion to a bare minimum, which is disastrous and calamitous. As I, I use those words a lot. Proudly, I will use those words a lot. And when I think about just all that I've experienced, um... Some people will say, what are your thoughts on God? Um, and I've done episodes talking about it, but I know people like we want, we need more. I would say that there's a part of me that loves the idea of a loving God. Not gonna lie, it isn't. It it does feel fascinating to, you know, the concept of the supreme being who can answer all your questions about life that I'll never understand while I'm here. When I die, at least I get some understandings. Um, a God that, you know would be willing to understand what I go through by making God's self human. I'm not going to lie. Those are fascinating. I'm not going to lie. It's intriguing. It it captures my attention because a God that knows it's like to be me to the best of its ability. I can't lie, man. That, that, to who it's, it's a, it's a very heart grabbing feeling like, Wow, above and beyond, know it's like to be me. Wow, that's all I can say is wow. But what I also learned in regard to all this, to all this, was I also had to rediscover the concept of God in a way that is 
all-around belonging of all good people. Um, Because I recognize that with biblical orthodoxy, um, it creates people into factions and frictions. Biblical orthodoxy causes fractions within frictions and frictions within fractions. So, it also causes people to pretend that gray areas don't exist. It causes people to have an unhealthy hatred of uncertainty and mystery. It causes people to be frustrated with complexity needlessly. It also causes people to not understand that we're all versions and expressions of each other by nature. That's how we were designed, but people go outside of that design for a myriad of reasons. But we were all designed to be of oneness and wholeness with ourselves, oneness and wholeness with each other, and we're supposed to reflect each other's oneness and wholeness to ourselves, to each other, and to ourselves and each other together and ourselves and each other separately. That's how we were all supposed to be designed. We were all supposed to be um, immeasurably, inextricably connected, permanently. We were all with ourselves, with each other, whether separately and collectively. That's the original human design that I think is true. Um, Religion doesn't teach oneness and wholeness. It does say, well, Jesus came to make you whole, but they think that flawlessness is the wholeness, which is not true. The wholeness is bearable flaws are artful art forms. Unbearable flaws causes romance to be destroyed, sex to be destroyed, families to be destroyed, communities to be destroyed, nations to be destroyed, continents to be destroyed, islands to be destroyed, tribes to be destroyed. So my understanding of God is, to directly answer your question, is oneness and wholeness. That means that I am am appropriate with every side of who I am and I don't hate any part of who I am. And if human beings would say, you know what? Because I'm that way with myself, I'm going to be appropriate with every side of who you are. I'm not going to hate any part of who you are. That's how we were supposed to be designed, you know. And that person can say, you know what? I'm going to treat you the same way with reciprocity. I'm going to... I'm not going to hate any side of who you are. I'm going to be appropriate every side of who you are. Because I'm with that. I'm that way with every side of who I am. That's how we're supposed to be designed. So so when I think of God, I take the religiosity. The religiosity is... um, It's when you have all this legalism. You look at God as... Fire and brimstone. What if I I think when I look at God, I think of the gentle whisper that I saw in Elijah. 
I think of God like that. That we, uh, you know, gentle people have that gentle whisper even within their voices. Even when they have to speak loudly, you can hear that gentle whisper. Even when they speak softly, meaning soft-spoken, not loud at all, you still hear that gentle whisper. Or they have a medium voice between loud and soft. You still hear that gentle whisper. And you can, and they have a non-verbal gentle whisper. They speak through their bodies without verbalizing a word or the utterance of a noisy sound. So when I think about God, I think of that gentle whisper. And that gentle whisper is not religious. Secular people have that gentle whisper nature about secular people. It's that diffusing, calming, kick off your shoes, relax your feet type of disposition that they carry. That all good people carry, actually. It doesn't require religion for you to have these traits. So that's what my understanding of God is. And um, I can honestly say... That what I look what I look real look forward to is that I'm glad that I got all these doubts and skepticisms released. Because I really I can honestly say despite everything I've been through, I am open to um church people who don't chain themselves with biblical orthodoxy. Conservative theology is another way of putting it. I'm open to mosque people, temple people, synagogue people, temple people who don't chain themselves with conservative theology of their own religions too. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, what have you. And so I'm not against church people what I am against is human rights dishonoring I'm not against mosque people I am against human rights inequities I am not against temple people I am against human rights inequalities I am not against synagogue people. I am against human rights ambushing. It is, I found it impossible for me to be for human rights for all and and ascribe myself to conservative theology. Because it's hard to love people when you see them as sin and nothing else. It's like, everybody, we all have things about people that we wouldn't want for our lives. That doesn't mean that we criminalize everything we don't like about a person in terms of aspects of their lives that we wouldn't adopt for ourselves. So, to have a human rights interpretation of God. I make every religious concept, I I turn it from religious concepts to human rights concepts. 
because I get to spend time with people I've been taught to hate. And I teach myself how to love them, how to adore them, how to admire them. And um, I feel like for me, in terms of the interpretation of God I got from within, I had to learn that Christ-likeness is a beautiful concept. It has been distorted by religion. Religion has no Christ-likeness. And Christ-likeness has no religion. So, when people say limited to Jesus, I go, this is what I say to people who are in tradition. What if Jesus is in people that don't call themselves Christians? What if Jesus is in the very people that you've been taught to disdain? What if Jesus is most expressed and best expressed in people you've been taught to see as other? What if there's more than one way to the one way? That's my question to them. Y'all say Jesus is the one and only way? What if I told y'all that there are agnostic followers of Jesus, atheist followers of Jesus, Muslim followers of Jesus, Judaism followers of Jesus, Buddhist followers of Jesus, Hindu followers of Jesus, Confucianist followers of Jesus. What if following Jesus wasn't a singular way to do so? You have all these denominations, so why is it wrong to have secular followers of Jesus and faith-based followers of Jesus who don't practice a denomination of Christianity? They don't even practice Christianity. Doesn't mean they're not Christ-like. So... What if following Jesus meant that if you have different denominations, then you have diverse followers. You have followers who do liberation theology, progressive liberal theology. Then you have those who are not into religious definition supernaturalism but the spirit of Jesus captivates them. Why would Jesus be offended by that? These are my thoughts and questions to the traditionalists. What if following Jesus meant you don't have to believe everything in the Bible to follow Jesus? And it accuse me of chair picking. I'm like, everybody has a different personal correlation with the Bible. So how some, you know, the Bible speaks to people differently. So the Bible in terms of non-monogamous people is not going to say the same thing to the bot when it comes to monogamous people. The Bible speaks to different people differently. So monogamous people have dynamics with the Bible that 
monogamous people don't have. The the non-monogamous and the monogamous, they have different dynamics with the Bible. It speaks to both communities differently. It's not going to say the same to one that it says to the other. So, if I'm a secular person, I want to focus on all the good character traits. What if Jesus was okay with that? What if that? What if Jesus says, you know what? They're trying to get the basics of me. I'm cool with that. As long as you got the basics of me, then you don't need to have all the complexities figured out. As long as you got the basics, we cool. But what? But you have some people who supernaturalism is their thing, and Jesus is like, as long as you're not a garbage can of a human being, whatever floats your boat. That these are my thoughts to traditionalists. Like, wait a minute. What if Jesus had more than one way of people experiencing him? And just because it's non-traditional doesn't mean it's damnable. Hellfire. Hmm. And so my thought is what if I'm talking about a Jesus. This is me talking traditionalist now. What if I'm talking about a Jesus who following doesn't mean the rejection of critical thinking to him? What if Jesus was imperfectly described by people? No one describes Jesus perfectly. So what if the people that we've been taught to hate, what if they have a better understanding of how Jesus should be then you traditionalists. And I say that with respect. So it's okay to look at Jesus and say, you know, there's certain depictions of Jesus you have to reject. Jesus, the misogynist? Hell no, pun intended. Jesus? A person who would easily say things and have writings about him that could easily misdepict him. That's not Jesus. That's people. And what if following Jesus meant it's okay to lead in Jesus? And a Jesus that's not religious, but a Jesus who... As long as you are not committing self-harm and not committing harm to others, what if Jesus is like, then I have no problem with you at all whatsoever in terms of all things you. Even if it is non-traditional, even if it is unconventional, even if it's considered worldly. What if those are the understandings that Jesus wants even the church to have. What if Savior was not based upon I came because y'all are bad and I have to die because y'all got even worse by the time I die. What if Jesus meant I just want to show you unconditional, sacrificial, compassionate love Regardless of your state of being. 
What if Jesus was based upon healthy boundaries? The kind of healthy boundaries where otherworldly what is what if otherworldly is not the big focus of Jesus? What if Jesus says what if sacred meant very important and not religious to me? What if Jesus said, I don't see a distinction between sacred and the secular? What if Jesus says, merge the sacred and the secular? And the sacred has no religion and no religiousness and no religiosity at all. What if Jesus said, your flesh and your inner life should be true friends instead of arch nemesis and what if he challenged original sin what if he said what if I told you that in order to have choices in life can you really have a choice to do what's ethical or unethical if you're born in a way where you're prone to pick decisions instead of choosing which nature you're going to have in life? What if Jesus said, well, what if original sin was not about being born trash? What if he said, uh, what if he said that in all actuality, you are an original miracle? You are an original blessing. You are an original fruit of the spirit you in life you have to decide what type of nature you're going to have that is truly authentically 100% you your choices are your nature your nature are your choices so what if Jesus said okay you're a secular person And that's just, you're just naturally secular. What if Jesus said, that's not an affront to me because the good person that you are, I resonate with you that way. So let's have that together. You want to be a decent person and you don't like indecency? We're automatically cool. So you, you, we, we good to go. And what if Jesus said, okay, you're more of a natural faith-based disposition. Okay, if believing in supernaturalism means that as long as you're not um, committing any type of religious violence of the body and the soul, and as long as you don't enemize people uh, not of you, then what well, if he's like, all right, I'm cool with you too. Some people are naturally faith-based. Some people are naturally secular. That's what I think. And with Jesus, like, hey, as long as you are a good Samaritan, that's all I want you to do. That's all I want you to be. Anything else is not a big deal to me. Just be a good Samaritan. And in life, we cool. Don't worry about how you're going to die because... Human decency... It's important to you, so that's how we're going to kick it. What if Jesus is like that? 
I think some people make themselves original sin by their choices. Hitler is the most extreme example of that in my view. I think original sin is something that people give themselves that nature. I don't think that nature is given to you at birth. You, you, you adopt that in life because I think that people have to make choices. When you tell people they're born a born in sin, you're robbing them of the choice to, if they want to be sensitive to moral excellence or not. So that's what I think. And, uh, um, Oh, from what I heard about Rayful Edmund regarding the dudes on the street, they said basically Rayful lived the nightlife. He he loved to play basketball. He was okay at it and uh, had a jump shot. You know, he could play some defense here and there. And I heard that... Um, I never met him, but from what I heard about him, people interacting with him, they said basically Rayful tended to be a calm, cool, collected person who would only snap if he felt like you were trying to either um, bullshit him out of his illegal money or fuck with his family or, or fuck with his friends, his homie, or he's trying to betray him. Or try to, you know, tip him off to law enforcement, report him is what I mean. Other than that, you know, yeah, he made his his millions, his kilos, his pounds of drugs. But other than that, you know, he wasn't outwardly hostile all the time, you know. For the most part, he tended to be a laid back kind of cat. That's what they 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 say these things about him. When I spoke spoke about Rayful, it was half depression and half joy in terms of the street version of joy. And uh, that's what I remember hearing about him. And I never wanted to meet Rayful because the fact that he played a role in the major destruction of Chocolate City is how I felt. I heard slightly more bad than good, that's why, when it came to the street people. This is the best way to end the episode, y'all. Center for Growth Psychological Counseling Therapy Support Groups. This is Tanya MSW LCSW MED ABD Therapist, Director of Program Development. What what is ethical porn and where can I find it? The term ethical porn has become an increasingly popular descriptor in the sex entertainment world, which makes me happy. Its rise in popularity could be compared to the use of quote-unquote organic in the food industry. These labels seem to denote a certain standard that is marketed as a quote-unquote better product that conscientious consumers should buy. 
by the way, I'm a I'm a proud conscientious consumer. But what does ethical porn mean? Why is it important? Where can you find it? I am about to answer those questions for you in the form of reading and commenting. What is ethical porn? Currently, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on the definition of ethical porn. That's not surprising considering quote-unquote ethics are subjective. Moral codes and ethics can vary among different cultures and even from person to person within the same culture. Now, those are all facts because the color red to one person can be the color can be different to somebody else. The color of red can mean Jesus to faith-based people, while the color of red people think of ketchup they put on a hot dog. Perhaps an easier way to approach defining what ethical porn means would be to explore some of the elements that are commonly cited as a criteria for ethical porn. Actors are enthusiastically consensual participants of all adult ages only and strictly. They are at least 18 years old. Some would say they have to be 21. Either way, you have to be of age and that's it. No ands, ifs, or buts about that. B-U-T-S. Because I know in porn, B-U-T-T-S's are showcased. Ha 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 ha. Their judgment is not impaired by drugs or alcohol. Makes sense to me. They are not forced directly, example, physical threats of abuse, sex trafficking, or indirectly, example, mental health, substance addiction, alcohol use disorder, or financial distress. And, okay, these are all logical so far. They use prophylactics because STI status can't be guaranteed to be 100% accurate at the time of filming due to challenges with testing windows and results. Informed consent of the enthusiastic nature, I I add, about STI risks is compared unless prophylactics are used. The rationality just keeps making me happier. Actors are treated with respect. I'm flashing a genuine smile right now. They are fairly compensated. Yay! They perform under reasonable work conditions. Example, no 10-hour day, five-day shoots. Yippee! Productions adhere to medical safety standard example, STI testing, bondage best practices, and hooray! Sexual boundaries are protected example, actors are not pressured to do anal or other acts if they don't want to. And I'm going to use the old school saying, well, all right. Other less common but equally important factors to consider when evaluating the ethicalness of porn include whether there's a good representation of diverse body types, race, gender, and story plots. This is clicking on all, on all cylinders. For some, porn is not ethical unless the erotic material attempts to highlight positive sexual images rather than reinforce negative stereotypes such as an over-reliance on altered bodies through surgery, example, breast implants, labia reduction or procedure, example, Anal bleach and dehumanizing storyline sample hostile sexism racism. Those are all my natural definitions of ethical porn for me.
On the other hand, some advocates suggest that fantasy content should be disregarded when deciding porn is ethical. Well, I think fantasy content, as long as it's heart-centered and person-centered, is non-problematic to me. Um, They assert that pornography provides a non-threatening sexual outlet. Well, if it's ethical, then it is a non-threatening sexual outlet, in my view. And people should be free to explore taboo topics, example, rape, incest, gangbangs. Well, it's all about the depictions of those things because we don't want to glorify dehumanization of any kind. We don't want to glorify... mental illnesses and at the same time those things can be shown with the sensitivities of trauma victims in mind so if you're going to show a porn genre just remember how do you think the trauma victims would feel think about that um And you can explore taboo topics without being grotesque about it. Without being... Nonchalant about its impact upon people either. Even so. They argue can have ethical kinky porn and conversely unethical vanilla porn. Therefore, content shouldn't be the focus of evaluation. I think that... The focus of evaluation should be compassion, empathy. It should be compassion-centered, empathy-centered. Therefore, the content and the taboo topics explorations makes the pornography a non-threatening sexual outlet. But I do think content is should be one of the focus of evaluations. But the biggest focus of evaluation should be the neighborliness, in my view. Taking this content-neutral argument further, some people suggest that ethical porn should focus on the actor's pleasure and preferences, which I agree with. Whatever the content is provided more realistic representation of sexual interactions, which I have no problem with those perspectives at all. In view of these points, the simplest definition of ethical porn would be erotic material that is produced legally, respects the rights of the performers, and for which performers are compensated fairly. Those are all reasonable to me in my view. Again, because of the subjective nature of ethics, each viewer can expand this definition based on the viewer's own value system to include any additional elements that are important to the viewer. It's okay to expand definitions, so the definitions, the denotations, the connotations, and etymology, and the definition meanings of the word can always grow forward. Why is ethical porn important? Within the last few decades, the consumer pool for porn has been expanding to include more women. Although this is a fantastic leap for women in reclaiming their sexuality and pleasure, this this can create some challenges for pornography producers. Yes. How do I market porn that doesn't make women feel like there y'all go attacking us all over again like you normally do like you always do like you usually do and I'm not making fun of women say that that's 
genuinely how women feel, and I honor that. Women tend to experience more challenges with letting themselves get immersed in the fantasy of porn if they have any doubts about the consensual nature. Example, physical, emotional, financial, the scene. Which, that that's why um, my healthy relationship with ethical porn um, is one of the reasons why I have such a healthy relationship with women. So women's feelings and experiences mean the entire cosmos to me, the entire universe to me, the entire galaxy to me, the entire stars to me, the entire planets to me. There are different terms associated with this phenomenal example, high emotional labor or activation of the sexual inhibition system. But they're all describing the same thing, getting quote unquote turned off at a time when you should be getting turned on. Injustice turns me off, even within the sex industry. What turns me on is sexual justice and reproductive justice, even within the sex industry. This phenomenon is not, is not limited to just women. Men can experience negative feelings and distress if they view, video, they view videos that they believe may violate their personal value system. Example, Actual non-consensual scenes versus scripted fantasy storylines. Ooh, I empathize and sympathize with those things. I truly do. Many sex therapists, educators, and researchers highlight the potential value of using pornography to enhance sexual communication. Yes. Fantasies desire to even reduce stress. Yes, 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 yes. Stamp of approval. Therefore, ethical porn can help people engage in erotic material more fully and without the doubts or concerns that might otherwise inhibit the enjoyment and benefit of it. And that makes me glad-hearted. Where can I find ethical porn? Unfortunately, there isn't an official consumer report for ethical pornography. However, there are specific ways you can become an informed consumer. Do the research. Read up on a porn production's company's philosophy and standards, specifically looking for content that supports ethical practices. Many companies will do behind-the-scenes interviews with the actors and actresses. For example, Kink.com will record the consent process of performers prior to filming, as well as their reactions post-filming, to give you more insight into the actresses and actresses' relationship to film. Another approach is to find certain producers or production companies that promote ethical porn. For example, Tristan Tyromeno, Shine Louise Houston, and Erica Lesser, well-known producers of ethical porn. If you feel like you don't have the time or energy to do all the legwork, there are trusted groups of professionals that make it their mission to vet and promote ethical porn. For example, the following groups have created databases, a list of ethical porn resources, Feminist Porn Awards, FeministPornAwards.com, nominates and awards films that treats actors and actresses fairly, embrace diversity and depict real pleasure, Center for Sexual Pleasure and Health, T-H-E-C-S-P-H.org, created a comprehensive guide to feminist and sex-positive porn, which makes me motherfucking excited get to know the actors and actresses read or watch interviews follow performance on social media or their professional pages actors and actresses will be able to provide first-hand accounts of the behind the scenes activities that will give you insight into the different production companies philosophies regarding work conditions and support for their talent more often than not if the actors and actresses are promoting certain films it is because they are proud of the work they have completed which might lend itself to more ethical labor practices which makes me motherfucking glad. Pay for porn. Streaming free videos may be a nice benefit for your bank account, but it does very little to promote workers' rights and compensation. 
Pornography is a business. The actors and actresses, among a long list of other pre- and post-production folks, need to get paid. And the best way to ensure they're getting a fair wage is to pay for your erotic viewing material. Hell the fuck yeah. Additionally, many of the free porn hubs or collection sites, but not all example porn to include pirated material or amateur submissions, which both have inherent ethical concerns. Hmm. Carefulness and caution and precaution do matter indeed. If you want to ensure your pornography is ethical, go the extra step and pay for it from responsible distributors. Focus on U.S. productions. There's a wide variety of good porn produced globally, but there's equally a wide variety of ethical and legal standards associated with this production. In other words, don't piss yourself to fuck off if you don't fucking have to when it comes to filmed fucking and film sucking. In the U.S., pornography must adhere to certain legal standards, such as 18 U.S.C. Section 2257, which requires that all actors and actresses are at least 18 years old. Grown-ass motherfuckers. Adult motherfuckers. Trust your gut. One of the best ways to evaluate porn is to trust your instincts. Do the actors and actresses look like they're enjoying themselves and each other? Genuinely? Does it feel safe? Do you look? Do you like what you're watching? Does this feel like a high-quality production or amateur submission? If you start to have any visceral reactions or see potential red flags... Trust your gut and trust your gut and stop watching it. Stop watching that shit. Examples of ethical porn. To get a better understanding of the different types of ethical porn available, here's a very brief list of a few ethical porn sites. Literotica.com for erotic stories submitted by users. Kink.com, BDSM, fetishes, and other kinky sex. I like to say kinky ass sex. Yo ass is so kinky. Porntube.com. Free clips with in a variety of categories. Pinkwhite.biz. Queer films production company of Shine Louise Houston. Pinklabel.tv. Gender, queer, and fluid sexuality films. Adameve.com. Primarily a sex toy and educational website that sells DVDs. Sweetcenter.com. Mainstream cisgender slash heterosexual films. Ethical porn is changing the way pornography is produced and consumed. Although this article focused primarily on the production of ethical porn, there's an entire second part to this discussion. How people can ethically use porn. It goes without saying that an ethically created film could be used unethically to shame, objectify, devalue, or even abuse people, traumatize people, victimize people. Part of the culture within the ethical porn framework is to reclaim this erotic medium from start to finish as a vehicle to promote a healthy sexual well-being. This includes using ethically created porn with consent and respect towards those viewing it. Fortunately, with the rise in ethical porn popularity and discussions has generated, more viewers can utilize porn as it was intended, a sexual aid without all the emotional and cognitive ass destruction, distractions and destructions. Ultimately, it can feel fucking good to know that while you're having a little me or a couple time, you're in actually engaging in positive ass activism all the pleasure none of the damn guilt that's a that's a win-win in my book damn it to find a sex therapist near me call 215-922-5683 
times 100, the center for growth. Mm. All I, and this is the part where I give my secular praise singing. I'm on my ethical porn shit because I'm going to be doing ethical porn shit. And I look forward to diversifying my income with ethical porn companies. And... I look forward to depicting sex in completely artful art form, art felt manners. No exclusive contract and also because I think all the companies will like me so much that working for one will mean that other companies will be unnecessarily indignant. So working for all of them means that this is a healthy situation, everybody happy. Because everybody's business is booming. Because I'm a reputable person. And all those companies are reputable. And. um, I think about the fact that. um, In my very last ass statement. Oh, and organized crime where I was forced to hustle and, um, you know, all the stuff I told you I was made to hustle. And, uh, breast, Sin City restaurants. Restaurants are good outside of organized crime, so organized crime, they're bad. Okay, this is now my very last ass statement. I just, my head is coming back to me. Um... I want to say that in regards to um, I'll be doing porn filming, porn shooting, and porn publishing. In short bursts, 
of intervals each and every year.